Well, you should know what we're talking about by now, right? I have just two more messages in this series of why am I here? Why am I here? Leading us up to uh, the holidays. I uh, don't know what direction I'm going to go yet with that, but why am I here? Many of us have had the, uh, the occasion to where you've gone to the drawer to look for a flashlight, um, you need a flashlight and, and you go to that drawer and you know what it's like whenever you get it out and you flip the switch on and nothing, right? You're like, you've got to be kidding me. And so you shake it and you pound on it and you hit it and still nothing. And you open up uh, the, the compartment and look at the batteries and the batteries are corroded. There's a bunch of acid on it and you know that's what the problem was. But that's not the way it was when you first put, put the batteries in there, right? I mean... They were new when you first put the batteries there. Uh, you put the flashlight in a safe, warm place. So what was the problem? Why are they not working? The problem is this, that the flashlight and batteries were never intended to stay safe in a nice, warm environment in a drawer. They were meant to be turned on and used. They were meant to be turned on and used. Church, the same way with us. You and I are not created to stay in a warm, safe, comfortable place in life. You and I were made to be turned on and used in this life. And this illustration reminds us of our fourth purpose of why we are here. Why we're here. Our fourth purpose as to why we're here, we are here to serve God. We are here to serve God. Where, where have we gone thus far? We started off of how did we get here, and I believe that we debunked a lot of the evolutionary theories and thoughts, and we talked about all that, and if you weren't here for that, you can um, uh, see them in the back, and they can get you copies of the services or get on um, our church's website, and you do podcasts and all that stuff, whatever Brian has set up. Um, we talked several weeks about that, but then we got down to the crux of the matter of why are we here? Why are we here? We first discovered that we are here to bring joy and pleasure to God, number one. That's your first purpose in life. Number two, it was to become a part of the family of God, to accept Christ as your personal Savior. That is part of your purpose. That is why you are here. That's why you are born. Last time we talked about you were also here to become like Christ, to be like Jesus. And then our fourth purpose today is we are here to serve God. Deep within the heart of mankind, I believe, is a desire, a need to contribute to life, to contribute in society, right? We want to leave our mark on this world. We all want to do something that will help those around us. I'm not necessarily talking about finding what you're good at and, and doing it. That, that could be referred to as a job. I'm talking about discovering that one of the reasons that you and I are here is to serve God. To have a ministry in life, one that serves 
both God and His church. And I hope that I'm not sounding like a preacher this morning or else it'll just go right over your heads. And I pray that you will hear the Spirit of the living God speak to you. You're here to serve God. That's one of your purposes in life. Tells us in Ephesians 2, God has created us for a life of good deeds, which He has already prepared for us to do. Jeremiah 1.5 tells us that before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. That's from God. That's from God Himself telling you that even before He made you in the womb, before you were conceived, He chose you. Do you believe that or is that just talk? Not only does God have a ministry for us, but you and I are incredibly valuable to God. How can I say that? Some of you may say, well, how do you know that we're incredibly valuable to God? I will answer that question with a question. When Jesus Christ saved you, whenever you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, think about this. Why did He not immediately just take you on up to heaven? Think about that. When you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, why did He not just immediately take you on up to heaven? The only reasonable conclusion, church, is that He has something for you to do. There's a reason for you and I to be here on this earth. And contrary to what is around us, it's not mainly just to marry or to have kids or have a good job and then retire and have a retirement. That's, that's not it. If you live that kind of a life, you only have so much happiness, you won't have the deep kind of joy that we need. The only reasonable conclusion is that God has something for us to do. Something for us to accomplish. Yet I fear too many in our churches fail to see this. Too many people are taking only from the church and not giving to the church. Not only are our churches suffering because about, you've heard the statistics, about 20% of um, the people in the church or all churches do 80% of the work. You've heard that before. Our churches are so suffering. Many people are tired and they're weary of having to do things all the time. Not only are our churches suffering, The individuals are suffering because they're not experiencing a segment of God's purpose in their life. Without sounding judgmental, let me say this. That a Christian who is not serving in some capacity is a contradiction in terms. Yeah, it's a contradiction in terms. Nowhere in the Bible will you see believers who are not doing something for the church and something for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Many people, instead of service, many in the church are more concerned with serve us. Say amen or ouch this morning. Are you with me? Yeah, there's two of you with me. Instead of service, it's serve us. They'll say that they're looking for a church that meets their needs, that will bless them and make them happy. But do you realize that nowhere in Scripture will you find such justification 
for this kind of reasoning. That's nowhere in Scripture. Now, obviously, we want someone to go to a church that preaches the truth, that sees the Word of God as the authority of all things. We understand that. So many people are looking for a place, not where they can serve, but where they can be served. And not where they can be a blessing, but where they can be blessed in return. Listen, you have abilities, you have talents, you have gifts, you have personalities, you have various life experiences. Why do you think God gave you all of those things? Was it just to give us something to do to fill up the dead space in this life? Is it just to uh, give us something to do until He comes back again? You're right, Dave. No, it's not. God has a purpose and a plan for everything. doesn't matter how old you are. He has a purpose and a plan. And He wants to use all of the things that He's given you to serve Him. Now, I'm probably speaking to some people out there that you want to serve, but you just don't know how, maybe. I've had a number of people come up to me down, uh, down through the years and say, Brock, you know, I, I want to do something, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I, I, don't, I don't know. In Rick Warren's book, book Purpose Driven Life, he uses an acronym, and the acronym is SHAPE. It's a good acronym for us to pursue this topic of how do you know? How, how can you serve? How can you find that niche for you? Well, let's go ahead and pursue this this morning. Let's take the letter S to begin this morning. Let's begin with S stands for spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. If you're here this morning and, and uh, all of a sudden something's resonating inside of you, it's like, I, I want to serve, I want to do something, I'm really not doing anything, but what can I do? You might want to take notes with this. Spiritual gifts. Believe it or not, you have not just a gift, but you have various and numerous gifts. Everyone does. Everyone does. You may not think that you do, but the mere fact that God has formed you and He has created you means that you have gifts, church. But we, Now listen, we don't get to choose the gifts. We don't necessarily get to choose the gifts. God is the one that chooses the gifts. That's why they're called gifts. <laughs> right? 1 Corinthians 2 or 12, 7 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. That means you're been, you've been given a gift to help the entire church. Now, bear with me here because when we're talking about gifts, there are some dangers that we must avoid. There are some dangers that we must avoid when it comes to the gifts of the church. The first one is called gift envy. Gift envy. It's not up on the screen, but you can remember this. Um, who here at one point in time have not envied someone's gifts? Um, there, have been, uh, there have been singers down through the years. Uh, uh, before I, you know, I talked to you last week what I wanted to be in life, and oh, Evil Knievel and Willie Stargell and all that, one of the things that I wanted to do out of high school is I wanted to travel around the country in one of the buses and just sing. That's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, 
But, um, and, and there were many singers that I would look up to and just say, man, if I could sing like them, if I could just be like them, if I could just play like them, my life would be complete. That's gift envy. And that's not a good thing. That's gift envy. Singers or preachers or speakers or teacher or someone's ability that can seemingly do everything well. And if we have gift envy, we are taking our eyes off what God has for us. And what our hearts will become, they'll become envious and even covetous. Don't envy someone else's gifts. Be secure in what God has for you, then do it. That's the first little danger in our gifts. Next is gift projection. What do I mean by that? This is when someone feels so strongly about their area of giftedness or their area of ministry that they expect everyone else around them to feel the very same way that they do. Right? Not everyone, though, I need to tell you, not everyone will have the same level of enthusiasm or passion as you do. Don't expect it either. The Bible tells us that there are several different kinds of gifts, but we are all serving the same Lord. You just go as hard as you can for the Lord and be content with that. God will bless your ministry, but don't project your ministry on others necessarily. The third um, danger we see with gifts, watch out, hold on, this probably happens in every single church, it's called gift protection. What do I mean by that? If we're not careful, sometimes we can get territorial. Ooh, watch out. Sometimes we can get territorial or protective of our area that we leave no room for others who might be able to contribute as well. Yeah, God help us. Some are afraid to allow others to contribute or suggest a new idea or even lead because they're afraid that maybe others won't look at them in the same way. Not important. You can get that phone call later. Was that, I think that was Bugs Bunny, wasn't it? Or something like that. No, whatever it was. Whoever is listening to this on CD just said, what did he just say? Did he just say Bugs Bunny on CD? Gift protection. Jealousy can set in because some may feel as though they're losing their position. Look, this attitude has caused more problems in the church. And really, it's nothing more than selfishness. Sometimes we not only need to allow others to help, we need to allow others to lead as well. Listen, part of our ministry may be helping others develop their gifts even if it's sharing some of the spotlight. <laughs> some dangers with gifts. H, what does the H stand for? Heart. Heart. When it comes to tapping into your spiritual gifts, there's a very important question that you must ask yourself, and that's the question, what does my heart love to do? What does my heart love to do? What are your desires? What are your hopes? What are some of your interests? What are some of your ambitions and your dreams? What do you love to do? All of this plays a part in determining your service to God. 
If you love what you're doing, your life and your ministry will show. Amen? Let me say that again. If you really love what you're doing, your life and your ministry will show. Have you ever been around someone that you just can't help, but they're just contagious? Uh, they're, they're passionate about what they do. They're just excited. You know that they're excited. And I've got to tell you, one guy that I think about right away is Richard Swartz. See, you already know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know, uh, Richard is a deacon here, and every time I'm around Richard and he's doing something for the church, he's just fun to be around. You know, Richard, I appreciate your love for the Lord and your love for the church. And he just goes at it with, whenever we were putting our new carpet in for the cafe out there, I could not believe, but that, um, I think it was that week and that we tore the carpet up. We were getting ready, we were getting the floor prepared, and we were supposed to have, there wasn't supposed to be any glue or patches or anything from the old carpet. And there were still a number of areas out there to where um, there were some glue uh, patches out there. And that needed to come up. And I think I came back Sunday afternoon for something. I had to pick something up after we ate. And Richard is out there with a big light on the floor, on his hands and knees with a little putty knife. And he's scraping the glue. Trying to, I mean, this is an hour after hour after hour drop. Trying to get that entire area out there with a putty knife. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And I went out there and he was just like Whistling Dixie. He was just having fun. He was loving life. He was doing it for the Lord. You know, there's just something, you know, when it comes to, you know, we're trying to paint some rooms inside of our house. And it's just like, man, once you get me started, I'm okay. But it's just like, who wants to paint their house, you know? Uh, Chuck, my father-in-law, hates to paint. But whenever you're painting the church, there's just something different about doing it for the Lord. Just something different about doing uh, a job, about cleaning a toilet for the church or for people. Whenever you're doing it for the Lord, there's just something different, isn't there? There, you just get an extra pep in your step. And Richard had that. I, I think of Richard when I think about having a heart for ministry. Now, hear me out on this. This is for everyone and all of us, especially doing ministry. But when you do what you love, when your heart is into it, no one has to motivate you. No one has to challenge you. No one has to check up on you. No one has to make sure that you're showing up on time or that you're prepared. No one has to make sure that you're enthusiastic or energetic. Amen? Yeah. If these things do not describe your area of ministry, then either one of two things is happening. Either you're in the wrong ministry, which that sometimes happens. Sometimes you just might not be in the ministry in the field that really suits you. That's fine. Look for something that works for you. That's either one, or your heart's not right. Maybe your heart's not where it needs to be as you're in that ministry. Your heart. Did the screen just go dark? Hmm. All right, well, let's see what happens with that. Here we go. Good. A. S H A. Abilities. Simply put, what are those natural gifts and talents that you were born with? Some of you have said, oh, I'm not good at anything. Well, you know, that's ridiculous because that's a contradiction in terms. Because by saying that, you're saying that God has given everyone else a skill. He's given everyone else, because you're not going to say that He hasn't given anyone else a skill. He's given everyone else a skill except you. That's not true. That's a lie from Satan himself. 
Romans 12.6 says, God has given each of us the ability to do things not very well, poorly. No, He's given all of us the ability to do things well. Listen, did you know that the average person has 500 to 700 different skills and abilities? Believe that? The Bible is filled with examples of different abilities that God can use. Listen to some of these things from the Bible that people have used. Artistic ability, architecture, administration, baking, boat making, candy making, debating, designing, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, masonry work, making music, Needlework, painting, planting, philosophizing, philosophizing, uh, machine ability, inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, writing literature and poems. And I could probably go on. Did you know all those jobs were in the Bible? Amazing. And this begins by asking yourself what you're good at. What are you good at? If you're not sure, here's a thought. Ask someone who knows you really well. Someone who knows you very well, a good friend or maybe your spouse, tell them, say, look, I, I, I don't know what I'm good at. You tell me. They know your skills. They know what your personality is. They can look at you and say, you know what, I can see this in your life. I remember one time, and this was really an integral part of me entering, entering full-time ministry. Whenever I was... Um, Brother Bill Constantopoulos, my pastor in Winchester, Kentucky, he once told me, he said, Brock, in the ministry, he said, you should never have to confirm your own call. Think about that. You should never have to confirm your own call. He said, others will confirm it for you. That's a great line. And whenever I was here 14, 15 years ago helping with the music, um, I knew God was doing something in my life. I knew he had a future for me in, in music or whatever because many of you started coming up to me and say, Brock, God is really using you. Do you know what God is doing through your music? Look at how God and the Spirit is moving and God is blessing. And I began to, people, you, you started coming to me. See, go to those people who know you well and say, what do you see in my life that I do well? And that could be a clue as to how you can be useful in the church. I need to keep moving here. Um, as I've said before, some of you may not be told, you may not be told for typical church things, like teaching or singing, leading the youth or leading kids. Uh, but who says that you have to do typical church things? There's a large church that I want you to listen to the list of things that they've created. These are not typical church things. These are things that this church has created out of the people in their body. They have people who repair donated cars to be given to the needy. Another finds the best deal for the church purchases. Landscaping, organizing files, designing art, programs and buildings, providing health care, preparing meals, composing songs, teaching music and writing grant proposals. Isn't that interesting? Coaching teams and doing research for the church. These are just some of the things that... Be creative. Be creative. And let me just add to this. Sometimes you need to take the initiative 
and go to talk to someone who's head of that ministry and say, you know what, I'm feeling God is calling me. So many people, so many of you might be waiting on me or someone to come up to you and say, hey, would you do this? Would you serve? And we don't know what you're thinking. If God is stirring you, if God is, is, is prompting you, maybe that's your cue to go up to someone who's head of that ministry and say, hey, can we talk? I feel God is leading me to be involved with this. Let me get on with the next letter in our acronym. The letter P for personality. P for personality. This is kind of cool. I like this. Um, Maybe you've never thought about this before, but God even desires to use your personality. And your personality is just that. It's personal. It's unique to you and only you. Your DNA is unlike anyone else's. Now, what do you think the likelihood is that you can find someone who is exactly like you? Have you thought about that? What's the likelihood? What's the probability that you think you can find someone who is exactly like you? Someone, some scientific brainiac came up with some kind of uh, um, um, number. I don't know how they computed this, but they said the probability that there is another person who is exactly like you, they said it's this number. It's, it's 10 to the 2 billion, 400 and millionth power. That's just not one chance out of 2 billion, 400 million. That's 10 to the 2 billion, 400 millionth power. Or if you were to write that number out and you put an inch between each zero, you would have to have a piece of paper that is 37,000 miles wide. <laughs> Bottom line is, you are unique. And God has something for you. I've recently shared this, Jeremiah 29:11. How many times have we talked about this? For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Plans for good and not for evil. But if you will continue on, here's the key right here. God says, and you will find me when you seek me with half of your heart. With all of your heart. When you're seeking God with everything within you. See, that's the problem right there. This week, those of us who have been reading, reading Crazy Love, this is a hard week because he's talking about lukewarm. Say amen or ouch with that. See, a lot of times we're not seeking him with our entire heart. When we do, we're going to find him. And the more that we pursue God with all of our hearts, before we know it, God is going to begin to use us. I need to move on. Your personality will affect where and how God desires to use you. When you find that ministry that is consistent with the personality that God gave you, you will fully experience the fulfillment and the satisfaction of this fourth purpose in life. Look, some of you may not have personalities that are suited for 
being up front on stage. Uh, some of you may not be comfortable or have the personality or comfortable with being a greeter or maybe working out at the cafe area, but you're wonderful in writing letters. You're wonderful in administration. You're wonderful with baking, whatever it might be. Some of you may not be geared for music, but you're wonderfully geared for other things in church. Look, there's no better example of this than Sherwood Baptist Church. You know who I'm talking about when I say that. But they have a lot of people who do not have typical church preaching, teaching members in their church. They have a lot of people who are excellent in the field of video and movies because Sherwood Baptist Church is the church that produces flywheel and facing the giants and fireproof and courageous and war room. Talk about using unique gifts in the church. And our last one, E, is a little bit of a play on words, but our last one is E, life experiences. Life experiences. What you have experienced in life is a powerful tool in determining what spiritual gift and ministry God has for you. When determining your gift and your ministry, seriously consider some of the following. Your family experiences. What did you learn growing up in your family, good or bad? Your educational experiences. What were your favorite subjects in school? Vocational experiences. What were some of the jobs that you've had that you've enjoyed the most? Spiritual experiences. What have been some of your most meaningful experiences with God? Ministry experience. What ministries have you been a part of in the past that you, that you have enjoyed that you have not enjoyed? And God can even use our painful experiences, right? He can even use our painful experiences. He can use our hurts and our pains. He can use tragedies to shape us. Some of the greatest ministries have come out of people's deepest pain. 2 Corinthians 1 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, here we go, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Numerous ministries have been birthed from the painful experiences of others. Thousands, if not millions of people are being ministered to today because someone had the courage to take their pain and their tragedy and turn it into a ministry. I conclude with this. Some of you may recognize what this is when you see it, but it's not just a typical violin. That's a Stradivarius violin. Many of you have heard about these magnificent instruments that were made, that was made in the 17th and the 18th centuries. They sell, those pieces of, uh, those violins sell for the millions and millions of dollars. And they continue to rise in value. Music critic John von Rhein said, quote, Great violins are not like great works of art. They were never meant to be hung on a wall or locked up under glass. Any instrument will lose its tone if it isn't played regularly. 
Conversely, an instrument gains in value the more it is used. There's a society out of Chicago called the Stradivarius Society, and they serve an important role with these expensive violins. They recruit world-class violin players to play their Stradivarius instruments. These musicians who normally would never be able to afford something like a Stradivarius violin, they are asked to play the instrument worth millions of dollars just to maintain and preserve their worth and their beauty of sound. You know what I'm trying to say with this. See, God has entrusted all of us with a rare, unique, valuable gift. And it's not to be put on a shelf. It's not to be encased behind a glass frame or on the wall. He does not expect us to only enjoy the gifts of others as well. He expects us to use our gifts to make beautiful music for His kingdom and for His church. And I wonder who out there this morning, Mandy, I'll have you come up at this time. don't know what she's picked, but Mandy, come up at this time. I wonder who out there this morning is saying, you know what? He's right. Pastor Brock's right. I've been sensing for a while now that I should be doing more. I really don't know what I should be doing, but I'm going to take these things and I'm going to begin to pray about them. And, and some of you know exactly what God wants you to do. You're just not doing it. Let me say this. Maybe God's calling someone here this morning to a new ministry. Just because you've done something for many years doesn't mean that's the only thing you have to do for the rest of your life. Maybe there's something else that He wants you to move on to. Look, let's not forget that when we serve the Lord, it's not so that we can feel good. Let me remind you of why we're here. We're here to worship the Lord, but ultimately we're here because there will be people coming through our doors Every week we pray and on a monthly basis, people coming through our doors and as the song says, they'll be coming through um, with heartaches and ruined lives and broken pieces. They're looking for answers. We need to be using our gifts for Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God in order to help reach these people, to help show them that Jesus is the one that can put their lives back together again. As I said, in a few moments, we're going to be having a special VA presentation. How appropriate that on a day and in a week that we have uh, taken time out of our uh, schedule to honor those who have served our country I didn't know it was going to work out this way, but how appropriate that now we're talking about serving in the army of the Lord to the ultimate commander-in-chief. And it really comes down to what Jesus said in Mark, church. Mark 10.43, Jesus said, Whoever wants to become great must become a servant. It really comes down to what kind of heart do you have? Do you have a heart to serve or don't you? I'll leave you with this last statement. What you are is God's gift to you. 
what you do is your gift to God. Father God, thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, um, I have to believe there's people here this morning who you've spoken to. Lord, there are some that know they need to be doing more. God, I pray that this morning they'll determine to do that. There are some that know exactly what you want them to do and they've just been avoiding it. And God, that's why they're not really fulfilled. That's why there's, there's, there's something missing in their life. God, today can be the day that changes. Lord, there are some that they want to do, but they don't know what to do. God, speak to them through this message and speak to them in the coming days. Holy Spirit, you want us to come to you and you reveal yourself to us. Lord, help us to realize why we're here. We're here to worship you. We're also here to point Jesus, point people to Jesus Christ. And that can happen, that can happen in so many different ways. Lord, thank you. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name.